the word got around They said this kid is insane, man Took up a collection just to send him to the mainland Get your education, don't forget from whence you came And the world's gonna know your name What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton My name is Alexander Hamilton And there's a million things I haven't done just you wait, just you wait. Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Hamilton, which is, I don't know, kind of a movie now. I'm happy to be joined by my friends Adam Lichtenstein. Adam, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Good. And Daniel Lima. Daniel, thanks for joining. Oh, it's always a pleasure. So as... Anyone that hasn't been living under a rock for the last five years knows Hamilton is a play written by Lin-Manuel Miranda based on the biography of founding father Alexander Hamilton, written by Ron Chernow. The play made its Broadway debut in 2015, but just a month ago it came to Disney Plus because Disney bought it for $75 million with the aim of putting it in movie theaters because that'd be a cool way to show it to folks. That whole pandemic thing happened and they needed a way to make some money, so they put it on Disney Plus a month ago and now the whole world has been able to see it, whereas before it had only been open to those who actually went to a, a traditional theater. There was a discussion about whether or not Hamilton was going to be like nominated for Oscars and stuff, and then it was decided that it couldn't be eligible in those categories. But the fact is, it's still kind of on a streaming service, and I thought, you know, this counts enough as a movie. People are talking about it in terms of kind of being a movie, referring to it as this version as a movie in some way. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about because I stayed like very, very – like ignorant of hamilton for the most part for the last five years guys like even though even when i knew people like adam who probably knows the soundtrack like the back of his hand by now i like listened to like pro i'd say the majority of the songs once like five years ago bought like five of them and listened to those five songs from time to time and that's basically it so i was pretty ignorant of it so i i thought it'd be cool to have a couple different people on to talk about it who came in it from rather different perspectives so adam i want to ask you about this first you're a pretty big Hamilton fan who eventually got to see, we're, we're lucky enough to see it in Broward County at the theater there. Is it the Broward Center for the Performing Arts? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so you eventually saw it, but you had become very familiar with that right before. You're someone that I think uh, really, really became one with the soundtrack and really appreciated it all, and then finally actually got to see it. So I guess I'll first ask you, uh, and I know this is probably really hard to answer in any kind of concise way when you love something as much as you love Hamilton, but what about Hamilton really connected with you when you first became familiar with it? Um, well, the funny thing is you mentioned being ignorant like about Hamilton. And the way I first found out about it, I kept seeing people talk on Twitter about Hamilton and the rapping from Hamilton and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, who's this rapper, Hamilton? Like, I'll have to give him a listen at some point. And then this was in 2016, I guess. I don't know if you remember. This Washington, the Washington Post had, had a podcast called Presidential where they went through every president. And I guess in the first one in about George Washington, they mentioned Hamilton and they play some of it. I'm like, wait a second. This is a sh like a, a musical about Alexander Hamilton. And it's <laughs> all rap. Like, okay, I'm about this. I went home and listened to it and I loved it. Um, and yeah, I just kind of like fell in love with it. I don't know why it resonated with me, I guess. I mean, the music is, is great in my opinion. Like the rapping is excellent. Uh, and it's just a very, uh, I, don't, I don't know the right word, but it's just, it draws you in. Um, even when I didn't get a chance to watch it, I was just listening to it. It's, a, it's almost like a concept album or it's just a story. It's really just a story. It's a musical and it's just very, it draws you in. Um, and so the first time I listened to it, I was hooked. And I guess I'll talk, I guess we'll, I'll, I'll have a separate discussion later in the podcast talking about how this thing kind of translates to film for, and what we thought it might've gained by that medium. But what was it like for you as someone that was so familiar with the soundtrack, seeing it in person for the first time when you did? I was worried I wouldn't enjoy it as much because I didn't see it until like 2019. So it did, I'd been listening to the soundtrack for like three years. And by the time I actually saw the show, I'd kind of like fallen off. I wasn't really listening to the soundtrack as much. Like when I first got into it, I was listening to it like every day, not the whole soundtrack, but you know, listening to the different songs all the time. And when I saw it live, it was, it was still incredible. Um, even though I didn't see it with the original Broadway cast, I saw it with the traveling cast. Uh, there's so much stuff you, you don't pick up on when you're just listening to a soundtrack. There's so much, so many visual jokes or um, your visual cues and stuff like that that you just don't know because it's not in, you don't see it because you're just listening to it. Um, and there's also, there's like a, a scene that's only for the show and now for the recording um, and stuff like that. Just like, I, I, it blew me away seeing it live. It's also, the choreography is amazing. 
which you obviously don't get from the uh, from the soundtrack. You know, just you see that this, the stage rotates and stuff. You don't see that in the soundtrack, like just how they're able to like function on this rotating stage. Um, it's just the stage show is just a, was a whole light years ahead of the actual soundtrack. So even though I was worried it wouldn't really have an impact on me, I was worried I wouldn't laugh at the jokes or I wouldn't get upset at the sad parts, but I still did. Daniel, I want to ask you, as did you come at it kind of more like I did? Were you even familiar with the music at all before seeing it? And I guess I'll, I guess I'll start there, like because I mean I, I kind of know your overall feelings on the play already, but I'm kind of curious what level of expectation you came into this with. Because one thing I didn't say before was that, which anyone knows that really has any level of familiar familiarity with Hamilton, is that more so than even most successful Broadway shows. For, for the longest time, really felt like it had like as, as high an approval rating as anything in popular culture. And going into things with a high approval rating throughout all of popular culture with a different point of view is something I think of when I think of Daniel. And so I, I asked Daniel, did you have any level, level of familiarity with Hamilton going in? And if not, did you come in like expecting to have a kind of contrarian viewpoint or did you think you were going to be won over at all? Well, 2016 is when I first was aware of Hamilton, the play. I actually, it was Adam who kind of put me onto it. <laughs> uh, there was a Facebook post where somebody said, okay, Biggie and Tupac come back to life. They hop into your car and they say, play the best rap album to come out since we died. What are you playing? And I remember looking at that and I looked down the responses and I saw Adam, Adam here. <laughs> Adam here said, honestly, the Hamilton soundtrack. And I was like, for real? All right. Did I say that? And I was like, all right, all right, bet. All right, I'm going to try this. And so I go to listen to it and uh, admittedly not very impressed. Like, I understand that it's a play, that it's targeted towards, you know, Broadway people who don't aren't familiar with rap at all. I'm aware of all this, but like the fact of the matter is as an album, to me, it doesn't stand up to basically anything. It's a lot of I don't know. I, I I called it schoolhouse rap for like years <laughs> uh, because it reminded me of like this. Oh, hey, I'm trying to I'm trying to make this history thing fun, yo. You know, uh, they, there's like uh, let me think of it. Uh, the, the one line that sticks out to me. I tried actually going back and listening to some of it because uh, I, for some examples, but honestly, I, I I couldn't I couldn't listen to lines like Madison. You're mad as a hatter, son. Take your medicine. <laughs> damn, you're in worse shape than the national debt is in, you know? Uh, let me see. It's a tie. It's up to the delegates. It's up to Hamilton. Yo, the people are asking to hear my voice for the country is facing a difficult choice. And if you were to ask me who I'd promote, Jefferson has my vote. It's a two-hour and 40-minute show. Not every song is going to be fire. Okay, but I would argue that no songs are fire. Okay. Um, <laughs> none of the music really, you know, I appreciate the effort. To like, I, at the time, I appreciated the effort to like, you know, take black musical art forms because it's also it's not just rap; it's also soul, it's also a bit R and B and blues, like and jazz, and trying to transplant that into the pretty monochrome uh, uh, setting of Broadway. You know, I, I I had some respect for the attempt, but I felt that it didn't really capitalize on it. The music was kind of lame to me, and uh, you know, nothing really stood out. Uh, the only thing, actually, I take that back. The one song that stood out to me was the, uh, was the stuff, the King stuff, which is like a little <laughs> Brit pop number. I was yeah. like, okay, admittedly, this is very charming. And it's the one thing that's not pulling from a black musical tradition. So I don't know what that says. Right, well, but did you think that with, when you listen to the soundtrack or when you watch the show? When I was w listening to the okay, soundtrack. Okay. Now going into the show, I had no expectations that I would be turned Right. I thought maybe, that, you know, they would add something to, you know, see the actual show and performance. But, you know, I, I, the music is the music and it's a musical. So I figured that I still wouldn't like what I didn't expect was uh, to deplore it and to oh, come away with the impression that it might be uh, the worst cultural phenomenon of the past 10 years. Oh, my I God. Really, <laughs> I really hate Hamilton, yo. I hate it. This is coming from the person that ranked Cats as his number one movie of 2019. So. Cats, is a, Cats is a better musical. <laughs> now, here's the thing. It's a jellical opinion. <laughs> when, you listen to, uh, when you listen to Hamilton, you don't, I, you, like Adam said, you don't really, 
you know, get the sense of like what the actual play is. You don't get the sense of like, you know, the choreography and the set design and such. But what you also don't get the sense of is this constant reminder as you're watching the show that this is a show that uses black performance because, you know, the Hamilton play, you know, it's all, you know, people of color. It's all, you know, uh, uh, Hispanic and, and black actors. And to watch them go through the motions of this version of American history and never, ever address slavery or any of the actual people of color who were present. There are no black characters in this show. There are no Hispanic characters in the show. This is just, you know, the same sort of, you know, glorification of America's uh, founding that we've been fed since we were young children. And in using black and brown bodies and in using the cultural traditions that they pioneered, I believe that Hamilton whitewashes this history in a way that's particularly odious because it sells itself as a reclamation of this history. Well, let me ask you then, is there any version of this play with this cast that could have not been that for you? Would it take, if if they had kind of had like a, a five song digression about slavery and some kind of reckoning, or do you think it wouldn't even, it probably wouldn't, it just, it just wouldn't be the show that everyone loves if they did do that. Um, I'm not sure that the concept is doomed from the start because I, I want to believe that every premise can be worked into something great or something good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I mean, it does kind of shoot itself in the foot because how do you address the fact that you're getting black and brown people to play slave owners? It's a tough thing. I mean, uh, uh, what's his name? Lin-Manuel Miranda himself, you know, attested to that fact. He said that there was actually a rap battle centered around slavery that was cut because, uh, quote, we realized we were bringing our show to a halt on something that none of them really did enough on, you know, alluding to the fact that Hamilton and company, like, they were all slave owners or participated in the institution of slavery. Well, Hamilton wasn't a slave owner, which is one thing I learned, but, like, he also didn't really do a ton to stop it for a guy that was in power. So I don't don't know if if the show can exist if he was a slave owner. And maybe that it would have been hard for them to even make it happen at that point. But like just the fact that he happened to be like one of the few founding founders that wasn't like into slavery, does that like that allows him to get away with it? I don't know. Uh, Well, I mean, he is a man who also still probably uh, helped arrange slave auctions, buying slaves for other people, including uh, the family that he married into. And the fact that that goes into another issue, which is that Hamilton does, uh, even though people will attest to the fact, they will argue that Hamilton, the, the musical, doesn't let these people off the hook necessarily, I would argue that it still kind of does. Hamilton is portrayed as a thorough abolitionist. And while he did support tacit, like privately, he supported um, um, the abolition of slavery and such, uh, he never he never did much to do it. Like, he was not an abolitionist. He actually did, he might have fathered a black son who actually was an abolitionist, which is another thing entirely, but I just, but yeah, um, I don't know how this, how you make a show like this work, to be honest with you. Uh, maybe it was doomed from the jump. I'm not sure. Well, yeah. And I guess I'll, I'll, I'll jump in before I ask Adam about this and just say, cause I didn't really give my thoughts yet. And that like, I, I'm, I'm a little different in that. Like I wouldn't say, well, I, I hear and acknowledge and agree with just about everything you just said. I, I still think I, I still found plenty to enjoy in Hamilton myself, but I'm coming at it from like a very different perspective from either of you because I am someone that like, as you both know, knows like jack shit about rap music. (laughs) So to be someone that like goes into Hamilton, like knowing very little about rap is interesting. I think Daniel described it to me as like some of the music might be more geared towards people that are just like not that into rap. And so I was curious how I was going to feel about it as I watched everything. And I can kind of see what he meant, even if I can acknowledge that some of the songs don't really work for me, but I I still found like plenty to enjoy myself. Uh, At the same time, I have been like trying to think a lot about these issues in terms of like, because I think it's really interesting. Like how do, how do you, is there a way to like kind of enjoy entertainment about people of this time at, at all? Like, I mean, Man, this is like a whole other can of worms, but like I was kind of thinking about it a lot in the because I had some difficult conversations with people when I was like back home a couple months ago. Uh, we were only like a, we were less than a month removed from a lot of the the protests that were going on around the country, and I was talking to like certain family members that had certain thoughts on certain statues that were getting pulled down, and how they, they were like, "Oh, do you want to just like do you just want to?" Uh, 
just write off George Washington because he owned slaves. Does that mean he was he was a bad guy? And like we were going there, and I and I at one point I was like, well, it doesn't make him a good guy, but there is a difference between like only being known for no other reason than like fighting for the Confederacy, as opposed to like someone that like did other stuff too, but also owned slaves. And I'm like at the same time I felt kind of weird like making that distinction. And then I take it even further, and now I'm like watching George Washington in a musical who's being portrayed at times in a sympathetic light. Like, it's really complex stuff and interesting to think about. And, like, I don't know. I, I, it was it was weird because, like, I was I, – I totally hear everything Daniel was saying, but at other times I found myself, like, having fun watching Hamilton. Other times it does get a little darker. So I'm, like, still really mixed in that, like, I can acknowledge, like, all of these really difficult questions, but at the same time, part of me – the rap novice in me was probably enjoying the novice rap songs and enjoying some of the other kind of R&B tones that you get throughout. And I, I found plenty to enjoy while kind of, like – at the same time, being able to acknowledge, like, hey, maybe some of this other stuff is something that warrants a little more discussion, and there's a different way they could have addressed it. But then, I, like I said earlier, like, who knows, maybe if they go too far in that direction, then you're not really having that much fun. Uh, Adam, just thinking about this, was were, were issues like this something you even read about when you first watched the show or these issues you thought about? Because we kind of talked about it back when we talked about first doing the podcast, and I know you said you actually do agree with a lot of the points Daniel made. Was that even something that you remember people broaching as a possible critique of the show back when you first became familiar with it? Because as I said, I just kind of thought of it as a thing that had like a hundred percent approval rating or is it something that, or were they issues that you kind of thought of, thought of later on? Um, yeah, I don't think this really came up a whole lot when Hamilton was at its peak in like 2016. Yeah. Um, it might have, and I just didn't see it or, you know, it's been four or five years and I just don't remember it. Um, I don't know. I guess, yeah, like you said, I don't really disagree with Daniel. Like those are all, Fair points, like, and I don't really disagree. And I, I do enjoy the actual music more than Daniel does. Although I do agree, there are some lines that even I cringe a little bit, like when they come <laughs> up. Like you mentioned, one of them, like the Madison one. I don't like that line. And also, I'd like to defend myself that I may have been caught up in Hamilton fervor in like 2016 or whatever. I would not recommend the Hamilton soundtrack first to Biggie or two. <laughs> they they would shoot you. They, they would probably, yeah, probably deserve it. But I'd probably yeah. go with like Kendrick Lamar or a Kanye album or something mm-hmm. else. But um, aside from that, yeah, I just I think part of it might have been that even in like 2015, 2016, or in the seven or eight years where Lin Manuel Miranda was writing this show, we were in a different kind of racial, not as racially aware, maybe um, because it was written during the Obama presidency, where yeah. you know naive people might have thought we were in a post-racial time. That turns out to not be true. Uh, white people, including myself, came to learn that no, this is still a problem. So maybe a lot of stuff was written where you didn't have to have every piece of pop culture. This pop piece of pop culture didn't have to be cutting to, you know, cut using a knife to be, you know, superly, super cutting, I guess, as far as the racial dynamics in play. Whereas now we look at it in 2020, you know, after Donald Trump's election and his presidency and the Trayvon Martin, you know, his murder uh, the pro- Black Lives Matter protests, George Floyd's murder, you know, Philando Castile, Alton Sterling, uh, Tamir Rice. We look at these this trend of that's now getting more seen by mainstream people. Um, that's not just being confined to activist circles. White people are seeing this stuff too. Now more people are starting to say, "Hey, this stuff that might have seemed in 2015 or 2016 to be a celebration of diversity and you know different." peoples in this country in 2020 it looks a little naive it looks a little naive you know five six years later yeah naive at i would argue naive at best i i, I a part of me isn't I, I i hear your argument and i do agree that you know shit changes like you know there's a different context for how we judge something four years ago to, to now and there's i mean like to be clear, by the way, I'm not judging anyone for enjoying Hamilton in spite of the I'm a little I was a little I'm a little annoyed at the phenomenon where like for years this was lauded as like, oh, this is this is great for diversity. This is a win for the people of color and this and that um, I, I, without pretty much any any pushback. There was a, a couple like, you know, op eds back in 2016 and such about Hamilton and how duplicitous it is. But um you know, it didn't, but you know, I like stuff that I that could be seen as problematic too. Like a lot of movies from the seventies, eighties, you know, include elements that make you go, uh, that doesn't really fly today. You know, <laughs> this is a pro. This is I take issue with this element, but it's easy to write off. I'm not 
so quick to write off the problematic elements of Hamilton just because it came out in 2015-16, because that's 2015-16. This is a work from a brown artist. This is from Manuel Miranda, who I believe Puerto Rican. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Puerto Rican. And like, you know, like I, I, I find it hard to believe like that, that he's just completely unaware when he's, you know, so, you know, he in the play, like every time they refer to uh, Hamilton as like an immigrant, like you know, with the implication that, like, this is, like, an immigrant story, that it in some way relates to the struggles of immigrants today. I mean, Alexander Hamilton was was fucking—he was a white dude. He was a fucking colonist living in another fucking colony who fucking moved to the U.S. He doesn't compare at all to the struggles of immigrants today, black and brown immigrants today. Like, it doesn't at all correlate. Does the— co- yet, this, Sorry, go ahead. And yet, you know, the play does try to equate those struggles. It tries to equate the struggles of America, you know, trying to become free from the British with the struggles of black and brown people in America today. And I think that that is duplicitous because it allows the audience of this play at the time, which was rich white liberals who were able, could afford to go to this in New York City, um, it allows them to see this and clap themselves on the back like, hey, look at me, I'm out here supporting diversity and this and that. Meanwhile, they're being spoon-fed this version of American history that's exactly the same as every single other whitewashed version of American history they've been fed for decades. The only difference is that now they've got black faces on it. This really did, Hamilton does to me, feel like a bit of a minstrel show. Uh, In the same way that minstrel shows in the, you know, at the turn of the, what, 20th century were an introduction to uh, a black culture, so to speak, for white audiences at the time. They had never heard blues music or anything, roots music at all, and this was their exposure to it. They clapped themselves on the back for enjoying this, you know, music created by black people, but these were all, they were all, you know, chucked up. These was all white people with black faces and shit. Like, Hamilton is the reverse. It uses black, actual black faces to glorify white history. Well, that's what I was going to ask. So, I mean, at the time, the... I feel like a lot of people really got behind the color. I don't even know if colorblind casting is the right word because it's it's more intentional than that, and it's mm-hmm. like all just all people of color actors playing the, the anyone that's not British basically. But like, so that doesn't do anything for you. Is there? I know I already kind of asked you. Is there a way this this works? But like at the time, I think I mean it was kind of applauded, and that was part of why it was celebrated because it was it was kind of I don't know if a subversion is the right word or it was it was it was doing something very different like, and very like color color bending, like you say, gender bending. It was like. Color bending, you have all these white people, all these white historical figures being played by people of color. And I, and I, I, do, I think the show got credit for that, but like, is there any way in which you would give it credit for that? I guess is my question because I think a lot of people did at the time. Not, not as it's not as it is. Yeah, because as written, it is to me, you know, duplicitous. It is, uh, you, 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 the first word you reached for was subversive, and I think that's the intention for you to call it for right. you know white audiences to call it subversive, you know, because. You know, he wants to get that credit. Right. I mean, maybe I'm being uncharitable to LMM, but like, that's how I can't help but see it as that. You know, like it. It doesn't address slavery. It doesn't include any. I mean, there's not even a mention of Crispus Attucks, if I'm not mistaken. Well, so it does mention slavery. So I mean, one of the uh, things. Yeah, that- no, I know it mentions slavery like five times. It mentions slavery <laughs> like five times, and as a ha, fuck you, Jefferson, you right, were right, a that- slave owner, and like. It never sat well to me because it always it, – it, it almost it almost uh, uh, draws attention to like the vacuous – you know, this was an institution that America was built on. You're doing this play with all black and brown people, people who would not have had rights at this time, would not be given rights by these people writing this constitution. And here you are just kind of throwing it out there like, ah, ah fuck you. There's actually a moment in the play that really – that really doesn't sit well with me. Uh, there's like a moment in a song where like Jefferson hands off a letter to like a, a girl and is like, read it, hon. She does like a little shimmy. Uh, the girl, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the, I think the only black character in the play. That was his slave, the 13-year-old girl that this man, this grown-ass man, was fucking. Yeah, the line is, Sally, be a lamb, darling, won't you open this letter? Yeah, is it Sally Hawkins is, was her name? Hemings. And there's a line I remember. So um, you mentioned earlier, like, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda cut a separate cabinet battle all about slavery. Uh, there's one line about, like, 
can't remember the exact line, but it end, the, the end of the line is like, while you're heeing and hawing with Sally Hemings or something. Mm-hmm. It's like something about, like, you know, we're talking about like fidelity or something like that while you're having sex with this slave or raping this slave, I should say. And then like, you know, Hamil- and then Jefferson's like, oh, but you're and you're not faithful to your wife or something like that. Yeah, I read something like that. Um, yeah, it just it doesn't sit well for me. It just highlights the fact that this is a play that ultimately doesn't really do anything to subvert this history you know like this is the founding of america as you have seen it before just in a different color i can see that and again i guess this isn't colorblind like daniel said it's almost like just adding another color into it to just be able to kind of i mean tell the story in a different color like he said but i was thinking about it and i feel like we've talked about this before daniel in terms of general colorblind casting and it's not something that you necessarily advocate for and i've uh, in in all instances, I think I, on on a podcast a couple years ago, I, I mean, this is or back when I was doing my old podcast, I disagreed with the other two people I was on the podcast with who said that there there weren't enough black characters in Wonder Woman, and <laughs> I, I I feel like I'm like, I, 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 which is said look I hate this is I'm sorry man I hate this performative bullshit that these people do look I don't. Of course, I want roles for, you know, diverse roles in Hollywood and and Broadway. And I want representation, right, in all its forms. I I believe that that's important, right, for the culture, for the world, honestly. Uh, It goes beyond just, you know, what's going on in Hollywood and shit. It's important for the sake of representation. It's important for black, brown, Asian kids to go gay kids to look at, you know, look at what's around them and see themselves reflected in the works uh, that's around them. I, I think it's important, but at the same time, I don't think it's as easy as put in some black characters and we good. I think that this show actually illuminates why that is, because even though that this is a show with black and brown people at, at, at in the spotlight, it doesn't want to contend with being black or being brown in America at all. It avoids the issue as much as it possibly can. Uh, and, and I don't know how that's actually fucking helpful. I don't see that as being helpful. I don't see that as furthering the cause of social justice. If you have a black person playing George Washington and then paint George Washington as a goddamn like hero, no flaws whatsoever. Uh, I, I think that's duplicitous. Uh, I, I, if you're gonna, I, representation is important, but it goes beyond just putting a black person on a stage. It is about dealing with what it's like to be black in America. It's about that experience. Yeah. And I guess, so that was my thing was that like, I, I don't know. I guess I was thinking about that more specifically because I I found a way in which I actually enjoyed the colorblind casting recently. I was watching the great on Hulu, uh, which is, it's set in 18th century Russia and Mm -hmm. it's about, you know, uh, Catherine the great and, uh, or, I guess Peter or Catherine the Great, whatever. I mean, she, she's marrying into the, the 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 leader of Russia, and I mean, there's probably like no black people in like Russia in the 1700s. So at that point, it was like it wouldn't it almost wouldn't be distracting to me if you just like have a couple of the soldiers be black because I mean, like it, that that area was just so white. Race almost wouldn't be a something they'd be thinking about in their daily lives. I don't know if that's why it didn't bother me as much, but like when I heard someone say that about like Wonder Woman before, I'm like, that's a World War One movie in Europe. It's like it, it'd almost be distracting to me if you had like a black person in like Britain's high command. There were Look, people I'll, of color who fought in World War One. For the record, there were a lot of people. Of color I'm sure, but I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're more hanging out with like the high commanders that are like leading the military at that point. You know? Yeah. Look, here's the thing. I'm never gonna like to be clear. I'm never gonna complain if right. somebody wants to put in some black people in a mood i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be one of those i remember like when uh uh this isn't about race but i remember when uh what was it battlefield one came out though the one set in world oh, war one yeah. and yeah. like there's all these neckbeards online going <laughs> like so how dare you p- put women in my world war one I w- i'm trying to get a realistic experience i'm like bro you're playing online you're like you know <laughs> fighting a 12 year old shooting a machine gun in world war one. you're completing entire missions by yourself Bro, you're really going to be bothered because there's a woman? Shut the fuck up. It's but a great like, game, though. Great game. Yeah, uh, from what I hear, I have not played it yet. But, I love uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I only have like a regional Xbox. You know, I'm not. I'm not up on it. But anyways. Well, so that. Um, so that. Well, that that, that. that almost 
brings me to what I kind of then then want to ask because one of the things I actually did really enjoy, probably more so than anything in the show, and while I enjoyed like I, I it's probably because I enjoyed Leslie Odom so much, but like I really actually enjoyed the story of Aaron Burr. And I think that's like probably the most relatable thing in the show and what he is going through, going what he what he is going through as a person throughout this show. I mean, is that something that you think if you're just like watching a regular play, you might have actually connected with Daniel? Like, do you think mm, so even, you're asking if this if without this element, would I have enjoyed this play? Maybe. I mean, like if, if you're just um, watching this, perf- uh, that level of performance without having to think about the fact that they like maybe try to do something you didn't agree with, with the skin color of these actors. Like, do you think the storytelling itself might have actually worked on you if you weren't thinking about that? Because I just I think it's I think Burr's story is handled really well. Well, no, I will admit that um, (laughs) Burr. I find I find Burr's story honestly more interesting than than Hamilton's. Uh, Part of that honestly might be down to performance. I think everyone here is fine. I don't love any of these performances. There is one performance that I think really sinks the ship, and that is Lin-Manuel Miranda's. I think that he is genuinely just awful. I think that he has all the energy of a uh, middle school drama teacher, and watching him, you know, he's the centerpiece of, he's supposed to be playing this firebrand, this revolutionary, this, I've never bought it for a single second. He's just a fucking lame ass square. <laughs> I cannot, I do not like Lin Man. I didn't like him four years ago. I didn't like him three years ago, two years ago, one year ago to yesterday. I don't like Lin Manuel Miranda. I don't like his presence. And I think that it, it, it honestly is the biggest detractor on screen uh, from what, I mean, I like David Diggs well enough. Uh, I've seen him in other stuff and I have always enjoyed him in other stuff. Leslie Odom is okay. <laughs> a little, I'll, I'll, I will know. Maybe the most outrageous thing you've said so far, honestly. This this might be going into some hotep shit, but like, I don't know. He's the most antagonistic presence in the play and he's the blackest. I'm just throwing it out, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. But yeah, I, I, I uh, like the Aaron Burr story is far more interesting to me. I don't buy into Hamilton's thing. I don't buy into the love affair. I don't buy it. Although I think that that's probably the part of the play that works the best because it's less dependent on the, uh, 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 on the mythologizing of America. Um, but generally speaking, I think narratively the play is kind of, I'll admit here that I've never seen a play before. This is my first experience watching any sort of play. So maybe it's just, I'm not used to the structure of them or anything. I'll give you that, but nothing about it was compelling. Well, let me ask, okay. That, that you just gave us a lot to chew on. So Adam, I'll ask you, cause even me who I, I'd say I definitely liked it a good bit more than Daniel. I actually kind of agree with him on the when when Miranda thing, but I, I think I noticed that more watching it than I did. I, I think it's evident listening to the soundtrack that maybe he's not the most talented rapper compared to like some of the other people or a talented singer compared to some of these others, but like watching him try and like hold a tune or like go head to head with Renee Ellis Goldsberry. It's like, man, like she's kind of like blowing him off the stage and I'm noticing it even more on the show. Like, I mean, how, how, how did his performance translate to actually being able to see it after having listened to it for so long? Oh no, I, I agree that like, I mean, if you're going to talk about like, if you want to use like a baseball statistic, which I mean, I love baseball, <laughs> he definitely has the lowest war, the lowest wins above replacement of anyone in the show. Which you is to say that he's like the least essential part. Yeah, the he's at least valuable, at least as far as, like, his performance goes. I mean, he wrote the whole thing, so it doesn't yeah, yeah. exist without him. But aside from that, like, he's definitely not the most talented. He's definitely not the most talented singer. He's not even – he might be the worst singer in the whole show. I don't forgot. Um, does he actually sing? I thought that he was, it was all rapping for him. I, he, I guess he does sing a little bit. Like, he's mostly rapping, but mm-hmm. he does, you know, try to hold a tune. He's not great at it. Um, he's not the best rapper. David Diggs is the best rapper in the show. At least most talented, you know, technical rapper. Uh, yeah, I would argue uh, a side sidebar for the for the rap mm-hmm. fans here. I, Daveed Diggs, I like him, and I know that he's technically talented, but he does this goddamn syllable ninja thing where it's, you know, this is I hate I, this style. I was really into back in like 2004 or five. I was really impressed by it, but now I'm just not where it's like, you're just trying to fit in as many syllables into a line, into a bar as yeah. you can. And it, it, I remember seeing, uh, have you ever seen a uh, something for nothing? It's a documentary on rap, uh, mm. where it's just ice T talking to a bunch of rappers. Hmm. It's, it's pretty good. And, uh, 
I think it was it, it was KRS one or it was Large Professor. I think who's like you know you can go and you can spit bars like talking like indubitably and shit like that. But like honestly, if you keep the shit concise and let anyone digest it, it's going to be uh, far more effective. And that's how I always felt listening to David Diggs. I wish that he would just keep it a little more concise, but gifted. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So like I said, like you know, you could spin that in a positive way and say. You know, props to Lin-Manuel Miranda for casting and, you know, having more talented people cast around him than yeah, I'll grant that. In, his own, in his own show. You know, yeah. like where you watch the show and it's like every other – every scene almost, someone's kind of blowing him off the stage. Like whether it's <laughs> David rapping or, or Renee or Philippa Sue singing or Christopher Jackson singing, like he's not really the best at anything in this show. Well, did it, feel, did it feel different? Like, I mean, I know it's been a little bit now since you've actually seen it in person, but I'm, you saw it with someone else playing Alexander Hamilton. Do you even recall, like, having any thoughts as to, like, oh, that guy that's playing Alexander Hamilton's, like, actually the best actor I'm on the stage right now? Do you remember thinking that or no? It's tough. I mean, I only saw it, you know, the one time. Yeah. Almost, you know, over, a, like, a year and a half ago. I, I just remember seeing I remember being surprised how good the traveling cast was, like, compared to at that point all i had to compare it to really was a cast album and also one bootleg that i may or may not have seen um in 2016 but (laughs) um but all i really had to compare it to was the cast album i was like wow they are still like even though they're not the main cast not even the broadway cast or even you know the chicago cast and somewhere that you know they're in the same place every day it's a traveling cast they were still really good i don't think anyone really stood out to me as far as like wow this person's you know holding their own better than lin-manuel miranda did in the the album or something I got you. No, but I mean, it's, 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 it certainly is interesting. Like, cause I, as someone that just like was really not that familiar with like the music, but honestly had seen the only thing I'd really actually seen when, 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 Manuel Miranda perform in was like Mary Poppins. And I, oh God, that's bad. yeah. And I, <laughs> don't like, like so I, I had had the few songs I had seen him sing. I'd, I'd heard that I'd like listened to multiple times from Hamilton and had really nothing else to go off of other than like what he did in Mary Poppins, which I mean was not honestly not great. It's not good. Uh, See, I'm gonna I'm admit. I think. I mean, of course, I hate Hamilton, but um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, anno- I'm annoyed that I have to say this. Don't get me wrong. I thought that him and Mary Poppins, not good, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, decent. Oh. I think was that the the animated section too. He's in part of the, he's in like yeah part he's, of that. his big set piece is the triple little light fantastic song um, yeah the, the umbrellas and such I don't, ah, I, I don't remember the song I was incredibly drunk when I watched that movie I was drunk <laughs> texting everyone I know but um I, I thought it was eh. I will say uh, in terms of the music again there is one section that I actually annoy that I have to admit that I did like the uh, the king stuff okay okay so it still you, works you, you yeah, still it did, still yeah. works and the reason it works here. Is again, uh, yeah. I don't have to contend with the nastiness that I see when it's all these black and brown people playing these slave owners. It's just a white dude playing a shitty white dude, and he's doing like a little fun Brit pop thing. I actually like it. it. The tune got stuck in my head, and I hated myself for it. How about <laughs> I'll say it like that? I'm gonna be keep it real. I like that guy. Whatever that guy does it's, it's next, Jonathan Groff. Um, he's, he's at the any, most talented person on stage. Yeah, and I mean that's that's kind of the int- an interesting thing about it, in that like he is honestly probably one of the more accomplished people going into it uh, compared to like going into the actual first run of Hamilton was more accomplished than like a lot of the people on it. Like he'd been in Glee, he'd been in um, he'd been in uh, Frozen, he'd been in the. Um, Wait, is he the the, the the main teacher from Glee? No, he's not the main teacher from Glee. He had like a guest run on it. That was kind of like his first big break. I mean, oh, okay. I mean, maybe he'd done some theater before then, but like that was the first time a lot of the country got to see him where he played like just, I guess, one of the students that can't kind of came in and out of the show. Oh, for... shoot. He is the lead for Mindhunter. Yeah. So you, have you oh, seen Mindhunter? I have. Which I is kind of, it is kind of nuts. I mean, Mindhunter came out after Hamilton, but like that was, he had been on a show called Looking on HBO that was, I, I I forget. I mean, I don't know much about it. It was kind of about like some people in the in the gay community in San Francisco, and then he did Hamilton, and then he did and, and then he did Mindhunter. Like the guy has range. Um, yeah, he's been around. He was also in, he was also in another show called Spring Awa- uh, Spring Awakening. That's pretty good. Okay, yeah, I hadn't seen that, but I, and obviously he uh, Frozen, but like I mean, not a not a TV show, right? So he did, and 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 obviously um, in Frozen too. So like done a lot, and I and I really enjoyed that too. I I, I like that. I mean, I kind of liked how the one thing I didn't know because I'd only listened to a few of the songs was how some of these things kind of repeat themselves throughout. And you'll hear, and maybe that's a thing in other shows. I'm, I, I'm not quite Daniel 
I, I, but I've, I haven't seen that many shows before myself. I saw, I saw Wicked on Broadway. I saw Book of Mormon on the West End, and I saw like Lion King when I was really little in Philadelphia. And those are the so only you, shows you, I've. You really, got the big ones. You got the. Big those ones. are like the, really the only so, things. I've I'm not. I'm not like a massive, massive musical fan. Yeah. Um. I know. I know my share, but I'm not like a huge fan. That is a thing. Like using like musical motifs. Like if you listen to Les Mis or watch Les Mis, it's huge in Les Mis. Like every other song they're repeating musical motifs and like yeah. using the same melodies to convey similar themes. Like that, that, that's really big in, in some musicals. So I'm pretty I ignorant. Actually, I didn't actually notice it that much in Hamilton, honestly, but that might just be me. Um, I mean, there were repeated like, you know, Aaron Burr, or like I caught, I caught some, but I didn't notice. I, it wasn't as prominent to me as like when I watched Les Mis, the movie. It's right. not as prominent as in like Les Mis. Okay. But oh, I'm just very ignorant. I, I'm just very ignorant about musicals, so it even jumped out to me more. But I liked how they did that with the King songs and how they all. I mean, they're all about very distinct parts of that story, but still kind of sounded the similar. And I really liked it. I really liked his performance. I what was kind of weird was that like I I didn't watch it till last Saturday, and it had already been out a month. So I'd already seen I'd already seen everyone on Twitter talking about his spit. And I yeah. didn't really, and I, so I, I, that was kind of like something I was already bracing myself going in. I was like, and I did think about it after I learned that like they took this recording from three different shows and I was like, so was this bit intentional or not? Cause if it wasn't, then they could have just gotten it from another show. But so maybe that means it was, what does that mean? And I, I probably thought about it more than I really should have, but I did. Yeah, I'm going to admit, uh, I, I thought about it more than I, than I should have is probably <laughs> The, the slogan for a lot of these Hamill fans. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I had to, I had to say it. I had to. It was right there. All right, all right, all right. right. Aside from the King stuff, which I think we all really agree is good, Adam, do you have any other, like, uh, kind of personal, like, favorites of the soundtrack yourself or any other favorite, uh, even favorite rhymes, even more, if you want to get more specific than a song? Because I, I watched some of it again today, and I, had, I picked up on other things I liked and kind of other songs I liked even more in the second viewing than I did on the first. Do you have any, like, personal favorites that you tend to revisit more or that you even hit you differently when you're watching it in the, the film version? Um, well, let's see. One thing that definitely hits me differently in the film version is uh, Satisfied, mm-hmm. uh, where Angelica's kind of replaying the wedding and why she can't be with Hamilton and that sort of thing. Um, there's one line that I really like. I got, uh, I'm a sucker for internal rhymes. I love internal rhymes. There's one line where it's like, uh, I'm the oldest and the wittiest and the gossip in New York city is insidious. Um, I just really like that. I like internal rhymes. Um, I also really enjoy the choreography, which like I said earlier, you don't really get when you're listening to the soundtrack. The choreography is really good in satisfied where they're basically doing a lot of things in reverse and things are moving around kind of weird dreamlike ways that I really like. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, I like nearly every song on the album um, or in the show. Like, uh, I really like uh, It's Quiet Up Town. It always gets me sobbing um, every every single time, basically. Uh, always like a little dagger at the end of that song. Um, uh, I like My Shot a lot. I like uh, Wait For It. I think Wait For It is an incredible song. Aaron Burr's uh, first big number. Um, I think like you mentioned earlier, Leslie Odom Jr. is great. I love Leslie Odom in this show. Uh, I think he does a great job and yeah, it, well really anything where he's the main performer, phenomenal. Yeah. Wait for it's great. Room where it happened is great. World was wide or world was wide enough is very good. Even though it's more of like, I guess maybe some just storytelling as far as instead of just like, you know, a showstopper. Um, really anything he does is great. I like, I like winner's ball a lot more in the show than I do in, in the just like the the soundtrack where they're kind of like setting up satisfied and help and helpless. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other songs actually like uh, that would be enough. I don't really listen to a lot on its own, but I really enjoy it in the show. Um, so yeah, I really, I mean, I could go almost like song for song, be like, yeah, I really, I really like all. I like, I like this song. I like this song. I like this song. I really like almost all of them. Yeah, that was basically like asking Daniel talk about kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I, 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 it's funny I, that you mentioned the room where it happens because I mean I, I, I know that's kind of a big deal, but I, I think I don't even like it so much as a song. But I, on my second viewing, I was like way more impressed with it, just like the choreography and just pulling that off on that stage. I really that's enjoyed. Way, yeah, it's, it's way, it's way better in person. It's way better watching it than just listening to it. Yes, and then I saw um, w- one thing that I liked was um, w- well, I kind of get why Daniel might have actually liked the little digression about his infidelities and how that kind of and just that that part of the storytelling because he was able to kind of separate it from some of the other stuff he found problematic. I really liked in say no to this the when when, when the guy's talking about getting cuckolded that was like my favorite <laughs> exchange that like made me crack up when he said you ma- you made the wrong sucker a cuckold it's time to pay the price for the pants you unbuckled I don't know why but that this like I like 
cracked up at that and it, 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 it didn't even register on my first viewing so i mean i feel like I'm going to have trouble like making myself go back and rewatch it a ton because maybe sung through musicals just aren't in general my thing. And that's probably a barrier to me just in general that it's more of a me problem than a problem with the show. Uh, but like it's, they're just not generally my thing and it's two hours and 40 minutes. So who knows how often I'll revisit it, but I do feel like I'm just going to like, I'm going to pick up on other stuff whenever, whenever I really do go back to it. And I, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned like sung through musicals, not being your thing. So actually I prefer them to stand, I guess a standard musical. Like, not that I don't like, like, standard musicals. Like, I saw Dear Evan Hansen twice because the tickets were super cheap, but I enjoy Dear Evan Hansen, which is not sung through. Uh, but, like, I, I enjoy at least li- as far as listening, going back and listening to stuff, I enjoy the sung through musicals more, like like Hamilton, like Les Mis, um, like Rent. Better, I do like Les Mis everything. a lot. Yeah. I do like Les Mis a lot. Um, in terms of the music, of course, I'm not I'm not a big fan of the lyricism, right? Uh, I think it's honestly probably the, the, the part that kills it because... I, like I said, like, you know, David Diggs, it's not like he's not a, he's not technically proficient. And most of the other people, I think, are technically fine. It's just what they're saying is cornball shit that I find embarrassing <laughs> to even listen to. But, um, you know, the R&B stuff, by virtue of the fact that it's not, you know, it's not cringe. Like, you know, it's, it's mostly just singing love songs. It could be it could exist outside of the context of the show. It does mostly work for me. Um, the Burn song weirdly doesn't sit well for me for a different reason uh well kind of related actually uh you know i i i pre kind of appreciate what that one's trying to do in that it's trying to reclaim this you know you know her agency kind Mm -hmm. of in like you know we have no record of what uh his wife thought about his infidelities and it tries to position that as like a as like a a triumphant reclaimal of like oh well he's not you're not going to be um what's it called history won't remember that I forgave you or something like that. You know, I, I appreciate what it's going for, but ultimately I'm part of me is like, but in real life, we probably don't have those records cause no one, no one cared because everyone was sexist at the time. Right. <laughs> so like it, it feels to me, it ties in a little bit to like what I, how I feel about the show overall in that it's, it's like an attempt to like see more progressive, more, forward thinking than it actually is in that you know it, it, it creates something whole cloth out of nothing adam does melody have a response to daniel's take on hamilton yeah she fucking hates it <laughs> <laughs> she melody's the dog right melody's the dog yeah, yes yeah, my yeah. dog the one who, i don't know if you can hear her barking um, no, we, we can hear her barking but i wasn't gonna uh, i was, I was, I was gonna interrupt shot, it but, I, I, yeah. I, I figured i'd see if she had any thoughts before we moved on we, we, um, have, a, we have a video of her barking to hamilton in the car Oh, well, oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it's cute. It's cute. But also, oh, God, <laughs> I, I, I kind of agree with Daniel saying like, yeah. And first of all, like, like you said earlier, like, yeah, Lin-Manuel Miranda does kind of exude like middle school drama teacher energy. And that's <laughs> kind of his, his thing. That's kind of his vibe. I, I, I mean, he's kind of he's corny. Yeah, and it's it's, it's not I don't want to go too, too hard on him because, you know, I'm sure that there are corny dudes that I that I appreciate what they do. But like, I don't know the positioning of him as like instead of like this kind of thought leader just it, it kind of irks me man yeah i mean i don't know I, think... I wouldn't be so hard i wouldn't be so hard on this if it was like a high school play that i saw like locally and i was like oh well they tried you know yeah I, well i don't know i, I guess were, were, you, were you talking about him in terms of a thought lin-win lin-win miranda as a thought leader or alexander hamilton as a thought leader and that being oh, no, no llm like okay. i see people hang on to like his every word and such gotcha no no yeah I, I i was just thinking more in terms of alexander hamilton again i guess the last thing i'll say is that i have, have, you, have either of you guys ever seen amadeus no i, I have i'm told that i would love it but i haven't i actually think you would dig it i I, and I wish I, I wish this was like an original thought that I had, and it's not. I heard it in another podcast, but they they they, they referred to the Hamilton Burr as kind of like a, a, a Mozart uh, Salieri kind of thing, and yeah, it, it it is kind of fitting. And when I thought about that, I think it just made me kind of appreciate Hamilton a little bit more, even if you can even then kind of see it. I don't I don't I'm not gonna call it a ripoff of Amadeus or whatever, but I just <laughs> I I just think it's it is an interesting way of telling that kind of story and looking back on it and thinking about it in those terms, I really appreciated it because, and it, I think it's more because of Leslie Odom Jr. and Burr though. And that's, and that's just my big thing with it is I think it, it really works in the context of that character, seeing his life kind of slip, slip, slip away before him as he's watching someone else just like have all the success. And one thing that even as I was just like doing some basic Wikipedia research after I, after the show is I realized 
and I get it, the show couldn't, it doesn't have to be 100% historically accurate. Nothing like this does. But it was actually like uh, Hamilton endorsing Burr's opponent in the 1804 New York gubernatorial race that actually sent Burr over the edge. It wasn't the presidential, it wasn't a presidential endorsement. Like, but he'd already, they'd already kind of been through that rodeo before, my point being in real life. And thinking about it in those terms where it's like this guy that had like been a senator, uh, Tr- tried to be president was then going to become governor and then like had hamilton endorse the other guy and lost like having that that kind of like be like a thing that sent him over the edge where it's like he already like been watching H- hamilton's ascension for so long and having that kind of like send him over an edge was like wow like i don't know if this show necessarily captures that it in the best way possible it takes place over 30 years but can you really do that in a play can't really age people like you can in a in a movie but like just thinking about it in those terms i was like i i, I felt more connected to the burr character and it I, that alone made, made it worth the price of admission for me which wasn't anything but still uh i don't know that's that's my big thing is that like that alone really makes it worth it for me even if i am totally there with daniel on a lot of what he said and I, who knows maybe a lot of what daniel said would make it harder for me to want to revisit it but i was able to enjoy it in the moment so, um, Adam, do you have any other final thoughts? Actually, I'm going to go Daniel oh. first. I don't want to end super negative. <laughs> Daniel, do you have any other final thoughts? Mm, I I really don't like this, man. I think that it's a little <laughs> I think it's a little poisonous. I think it's a little treacherous. I'm glad that it's out, and I'm glad that people were able to see it because it allowed this discourse to build. The 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 my, my main my big gripe about this show is less the show itself, although I don't like it at all. I don't like the music, the performances, uh, well, uh, the one central performance, uh, what it tries to do but you know the thing that really irked me the most is the fact that there was no pushback against all this unanimous praise i think that it's fine to like hamilton in spite of you know uh, its problematic nature but i i'm glad that people actually now have to at least contend with it instead of just absorb the unanimous praise from the only people who could afford to go see it. That being said, now that it's on Disney plus, uh, they should really think about putting on song of the South for that perfect double bill, man. Oh Jesus. Come on. The uh, song of the South. Hey, Hey, I believe the song of the South, even though it's a piece of shit, that's, you know, awful, uh, for its time. I think it's probably more progressive. <laughs> uh, I, I am glad you made the point about accessibility, though, because I think that is something that's worth mentioning. Is that like it was so inaccessible for so long, and like uh, so, only so select few people could really see it. That like, yeah, I think conversations like the ones we've had are were much less likely to happen. I think that's important, and I do think Lin Manuel Miranda, for however problematic you think the product is, Daniel, I think you, I think he does deserve a little credit for just like actually making this a priority, making this specific version of it a priority, getting it on a screen because that's not very common with most Broadway productions at all. And it seemed like he was a driving force behind making that happen. He was aware of the fact that like, it is a pretty uh, exclusive, uh, it's just like an exclusive medium. And he was aware of that. And he kind of, he kind of made it happen and getting it into a way where more people could see it. And I, I do really appreciate that. And I guess because of that, I'll ask you more specifically, Adam, as opposed to general final thoughts, do you have any final thoughts on it as a film product? Uh, and any and just how you thought that like as some again someone that was so familiar with it in two other versions uh, not so familiar with it, you saw it once in person you're familiar with the soundtrack do you have any final thoughts on just like this Disney Plus experience and specifically and uh, and how it translated and I, I guess like. I don't know. I, I know I was trying to wrap it up, but I guess one thing I thought about when I watched it before earlier today was like, as you're watching like the King's song, you see at one point he makes a, um, a sad face. He says, he just says, why so sad? And he like puts out his lower lip. But like, I don't know if you could even see that on stage. Like if you're, or if you're just like watching in a theater, like were there moments like that that kind of like added to it for you? And did you, did you find your viewing enhanced at all through the way they set these cameras up and all that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Because I, when I saw it, um, I'm I'm not. I got actually the tickets as a gift, and they were I got like upper deck, like balcony seats, like all the way in the boonies for like a hundred bucks a pop, um, for as a gift, thankfully. But um, yeah, no, I, I wasn't really able to see a lot of the facial expression and stuff like that. So you know, getting close ups was was nice and stuff that definitely added to it. Um, the downside is you don't get to see like kind of the big picture and how people are moving around the stage and how they're up on you know, the, up the second the second story of um, of the stage and stuff. So when you're not, when the camera zoomed in on one character, so you don't get a, you won't get a full picture of what's happening on the whole stage. But um, I do think overall, like, like the Disney plus production 
gets you like probably like 85% of the way there to like seeing it live. I don't know. This movie you can't really replace like live theater. It's just something different, different animal. Um, even when you're seeing a reproduction of it, but I also, I'm not really seeing any, I don't think filmed live shows. I've seen like movies of plays. Like I saw the rent movie, but I, and I've seen the Lane Miz movie, but I've never seen a filmed, like a, a well-produced live filming of a stage show. Um, I mean, I, I love the recording of it. Like, I love the soundtrack. I love the recording of it. I love seeing it live. Like, so, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm biased in favor of it. Like, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think, I think that's a good spot to wrap up. Uh, we'll do other recommendations though. Daniel, do you have any, now that, uh, now that we're moving on from Hamilton, do you have any actual, uh, actual TV show or actual movie recommendations you want to make on things you've been watching in the last couple of weeks? Uh, first off, I just want to note, I don't actually think that Song of the South is more progressive than Hamilton. I got to point that out. I got to point that out. That one, that one portrayed slaves. I'm not, I'm not trying to argue that. But um, as for recommendations, honestly, I have not been watching too, too much. Yeah. Uh, I've been basically in the same rut of watching straight-to-video action movies for the past two months. So don't have much. I will say that I have been reading a book. Are we allowed book recommendations? Anything. Any, any, any media. Go for it. A Different Mirror, A History of Multicultural America. It's a book by this historian, Ronald Takaki. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it's just, you know, a general overview of American history from the perspective of the oppressed. It's from the perspective of Native Americans, African Americans, the Irish immigrants, uh, Mexicans, uh, Chinese, Japanese, Jewish immigrants. And it's just, uh, you know, to... It's just a, re, uh, a reframing of American history, not of the, the lionized, like, sanitized version that we normally are fed, but uh, a, a history that points out that American history is inclusive, that it includes the efforts and the, the, the blood, sweat, and tears of all these different groups of people that made America what it is today. I think that it's—I'm uh, still reading it right now. I think that it's actually very insightful, even if— even if some of the stuff I've heard before, it goes into detail, it adds anecdotes from people at that time that really give life uh, to these cultural changes and attitudes going on. Um, and I think that it does what Hamilton probably should have done itself. Uh, I, I do highly recommend it. All right, Adam, anything else you've been watching recently? Um, well, I've been watching The West Wing for like the fifth time. Another like, uh, I guess maybe in the same vein as Hamilton a little bit, but um, I'm rewatching that for the fifth time because it's like my comfort food. Um, and as far as like books, like uh, since Daniel mentioned a book, I just finished um, Devil in the Grove by Gilbert King, uh, which I've, I mentioned this on Facebook and I posted about it on Twitter and stuff. One of like the major gaps, I feel like in my knowledge about like the racial history of the United States is what's happened in Florida, which is where I've basically I've grown up. So I went to school. Uh, I feel like growing up, I never learned about anything bad happening in Florida. Um, I just kind of learned like, oh yeah, Florida was in the Confederacy, and yeah, and then you know, civil rights civil rights movement happened in like when the bad stuff was happening in like Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi, like that. Those <laughs> places were bad. Florida, don't worry about Florida. There was nothing here until 1980. Um, but. Devil in the Grove is about the Grove on Four, which is a, uh, about four young black men who were accused of raping a white woman in Lake County, Florida. And their trial, well, three of them went on trial. One was uh, killed by police uh, after fleeing the area, um, was chased down by a mob and killed. And what it's just a whole it's a it's a devastating book. Um, they were all obviously innocent. They were framed um, and they were eventually they were pardoned last year uh, after they uh, posthumous, posthumously. Uh, they've all been dead for a little while now, but um, really devastating look at just, you know, both this one case and just racism in Florida. Like Florida had more lynchings from, I think, 1900 to 1930 per capita than anywhere else in the country, which I didn't know. Um, I, didn't know. Just, yeah, I, I didn't know that. I just didn't learn any of the stuff in, in school, despite going to school for like 15 years and, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade and then through a bachelor's degree. Never learned any of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I finished that book a little while ago. Uh, on a different note, I finished also The World Atlas of Coffee, which if you want to learn more about coffee, you can read that. Uh, and now I'm reading How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, which is a really good read. Uh, I'm about halfway through that now. Yeah, I, I mean, growing up in the Panhandle, I don't remember how directly I was taught it by teachers, but I remember like hearing from a lot of people. I don't know if it was my classmates or teachers or what, but I always remember hearing this like – I know it sounds like a very basic thing to say, but I always remember hearing, oh, yeah, the Civil War was about states' rights. That was what it, that, that oh, was yeah, what they disagree yeah. on. I heard like, that. I, I heard, heard that, that term. I heard that here, right? And I mean, okay. Well, you're and, he, and Daniel's in Orlando, but I mean, so it's maybe even like 
more surprising to hear that there than the panhandle. But like, I, I feel like I, that was, I, I heard that term more in school more than like anything else about like the civil war. Uh, it's, I mean, it was almost like not, not wanting to talk about it being about slavery. And you obviously still hear that like today from some people and that don't, mm. that want to say it was about more than slavery, but I mean, it was, it was about slavery. And I think it's important to kind of revisit our history and, uh, kind of, uh, learn about all that stuff. And even the more recent stuff, like what Adam was reading about, which is, I mean, post reconstruction, I think. So, um, yeah. so yeah. 1950. Yeah. Oh, geez. I, I, I second all that. And I'm going to, I'm going to recommend something that's equally as important and for the first time since high school i watched bill and ted's excellent adventure and uh, i have yet to see it never seen it no nope. uh you've never seen it either adam oh my god nope. cable loves it though i am I'm, i i actually i don't know i mean i feel a little more confident saying adam would like it but i feel like daniel might enjoy it too and because uh the th- the third movie in the series is coming out in a few a couple weeks on demand because it was like a lot of these movies are now and i'm gonna be doing a podcast on it with our friend ben lubin who i'm really curious to talk to you about those movies with because if you have heard other him join for other podcasts it is there are very different types of movies he has joined for besides something like a Bill and Ted movie. And I, I mean, a lot of it is sophomore humor that I really enjoyed in high school. And I was kind of like curious. It's like, well, Ben really likes that. Maybe there's a chance that like 29 year old me will like it. If 16 year old me liked it. And I still really liked a lot of it. And I thought, uh, there was humor in parts that I probably didn't even get the first time I watched it. And I really appreciated it. And I still laughed at some of the really silly stuff like them calling Socrates Socrates over and over again. So, uh, there is certainly all types of humor in it that can work for everyone. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know what's coming next week, though. I'm still got a few things up in the air, but I appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, thanks to Adam and Daniel for joining, but especially Adam, who sat there like a good sport while Daniel tore apart one of his favorite pieces of media of the last 10 years. So thanks, thanks to both of you guys for giving us the time. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time.